Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. One of the things that kind of drives me to do what I do, something that, that is inside of me that, that when I see somebody else setting themselves up for potential unhappiness, like when, when I see somebody living in such a way that, that I can see from the outside, like, bro, that ain't going to turn out good. Like, that is not a good path for you to be on. I can see the end result. And it's not because I'm special. You do it too, right? Like, you probably have friends, right, that, that you look at the way they're living their life. Maybe it's the way they're parenting their kid, okay? And you're not so bold that you're going to step in and say, listen, you're not doing a good job. Uh, but, but you can tell. You're like, listen, either your kid's going to be, like, in prison or a pastor somewhere. And it's not a big difference. And so you gotta, you got to figure out some things. And, and you look at him and you know, like, ah, oh, your kid is not, uh, you're, uh, uh, but you don't say anything because we don't say anything like that. But 10 years down the road, of course, their kid is crazy and wild or, or something's happened in their life. And you're like, I could have told you that. It's not because I'm super smart. It's not because I have some kind of crystal ball in front of me that I can see the future. It's because I'm from an outside perspective. And I can see the path that you're on and where it leads, even though you can't see it, right? Or, or maybe use a different kind of analogy to maybe kind of gets us all on the same page together. Maybe you have a friend. Uh, maybe, maybe you have a friend. He's going out with this girl. And you're like, bro, she is not for you, dude. Like, like you can see it, right? Because you're an outsider. You're looking in from the outside. You're like, listen, she is not good. Or maybe you got a girl and, she's, and you're like, girl, you need to break up with that dude because he is not good. And it's bad news, right? And it's because you're from the outside. And that's how I feel sometimes. Like, I, I think it's tragic to watch people set themselves up for pain. Because isn't there enough pain in the world without, like, self-inflicted pain? You know what I mean? Jesus said that in this world you'll have trouble, but nobody's painting that verse over their door. <laughs> like, in this world you'll have trouble. That's my life verse. <laughs> right? I'm just going to seek out trouble. Right? None of us live that way. We don't look for trouble, but sometimes we set ourselves up for pain. And when you see that from the outside, it's just, it's such, such agony because you want to grab and you're like, dude, I know where this road leads and it's not good. And if I could get you off of it and get you on a different road, I would. But that's one of the things that's like kind of inside of me that drives me to do what I do. And I think the more I've kind of wrestled with this and like what is going on, I think it comes down to the confusion but in the relationship between two words that we're going to look at today, here are the two words that we're going to focus on. Happiness, pleasure. I think so much of the self-inflicted pain that we experience because the road we're on is not the road we should be on comes from a confusion between happiness, pleasure. Let's talk about these two today. If you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, we're just going to look at a couple of verses, not much of a context, um, Jesus is just, is just talking and, and, and teaching, which is some powerful, powerful words that Jesus uses here in John 10. We're going to pick up in verse 10. Jesus says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, we kind of pause right there. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. We pause and ask ourselves, what is a thief? Like, what does Jesus mean when he says a thief? Well, let's just think about it. A thief is anyone or anything 
that comes into your life with the purpose or the intent to steal from you, steal your future, steal your hope, steal your dreams, steal your passion, steal your joy, to kill something inside of you, to kill a relationship, to kill your self-confidence, to, to, to kill your ambition, or destroy your life. That's what a thief is. That's what Jesus says a thief is. Any person or anything who steps into your life and as a result of their presence or that presence in your life, something is stolen. Something dies or something is destroyed. Now, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a specific person. It could be a whole group of people. It could be a group of friends. It could be, it could be an environment. Maybe it's not even a particular person or a particular group, but just an environment in your life. Maybe it's not a person at all. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a desire inside of you that is the, working as the thief. It, it could be a habit. It could be an activity that you participate in. But do you know who or what has the greatest potential to steal something in your life, to kill something in your life, or to destroy something in your life. For all of us in this room, we share a common, uh, kind of share a common enemy, a common thief. And here's who has the greatest potential to do this in your life. Here's the, here's the greatest thief that you're ever going to encounter. It's the starring person in your latest selfie. When you take your phone out and you snap that selfie, it's the one that's right smack dab in the middle of the picture. It's you. You and I are, are, are the, the, the most common, the, 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 greatest, the ones with the greatest potential to be a thief in our own life. Have, have you ever met somebody, or maybe you've said this. Look at this. Have you ever said these words right here? I'm my own worst enemy. That's what you're saying. You're saying, I, am, I have the greatest potential in my life to be a thief because I'm my own worst enemy. There's something inside of me that has the ability to wreck my happiness, to wreck my joy. You and I, like it or not, we are our own worst enemy enemy and we all know that's true right like we can all think back you know think back about your college days or your first couple of years in the navy right you bought it yeah you smoked it right you drank it hello you ate it you dated it right some of you slept with it maybe you married it don't point fingers no elbows okay that's the next series we're going to talk about right you're the common denominator in every event in your life. That's what we're saying. You are the common denominator. And, and you have the greatest potential to become a thief in your life. And Jesus goes on. Uh, the rest of verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the thief does. Then Jesus draws a contrast. He says, I have come that they, they who they? Like what they? Well, obviously the first people Jesus is t- talking to his, his audience, they, right? But as we're reading this, it's also you, they, and me, they, and we, they, and us, they, like they, they, anybody that's listening to the words of Jesus, I have come that they may have life, and then he adds this phrase, and have it to the full. Now, here's the thing. I have, um, I have a master's degree. It's called a master of divinity. And so sometimes I get a little annoyed with, typical translations of the Bible because I've been, you know, schooled and educated in the original Koine Greek language and I can, you know, parse this word. And, but this is one of those instances because full is such a lightweight word. 
Like it's such a light word. It's like Christian light, okay? And I'm not a big fan of like King James, but but back in the day, like when I was a kid, I grew up in like one of those KJV only churches, like King James only, 1611 edition, by God, my Bible will knock you out, you know, because it's so big. Uh, you know, have you ever heard that parody song about, um, uh, the, never mind, Whew. let's just pull it back to the message. <laughs> In the KJV, I love the word that it chooses, right? Because in the KJV, it translates this, I've come to have and have it more abundantly. Like, I like that word because that's a fuller word, isn't it? Like, abundant, not just full. Full is like a lightweight word, but abundant. That, that word seems like it has just more energy. It's, it's, just, it's just more alive. Well, if we trace it all the way back, you know, like kind of what is Jesus conveying here? What's the thought that he's expressing? I love this. That word that we see full, that the, that the King James people translate abundantly, here's what it means. Pertaining to that which is not ordinarily encountered. Let me read this verse to you again. <laughs> the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they have, may have life, but not just any ordinary average life. A kind of life that is not normally encountered. Now that is life, right? Jesus says, I didn't come that you would just have ordinary life. I came to give you an extraordinary life, a life that people stop and say, wow, like, what do you got, bro? Like, what, what are you, what are you on? What are you taking? Like, I need some of what you got. That's the kind of life Jesus came to give us, a life that's not ordinarily encountered. A life that's different. A life that is so radically above and beyond average that you and I cannot even grasp or or begin to imagine the kind of life that Jesus said he came to give. Then Jesus makes this statement, right? As if we're not jiving enough with him. He says, I am the good shepherd, which to us is like, okay. (laughs) Because we're not shepherds. We're not farmers. We don't live in that world, but they did. And so Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, listen to me. This is so important, especially if you're new, especially if you're new to church or you're coming back to church or maybe you had a bad church experience, okay? Listen, people have bad church experiences. It's tragic. It's horrible, but it happens. And we hope it doesn't happen here, but it may have happened here because we're normal, we're human. Like we, we offend people and don't mean to all the time. We just have to ask people for forgiveness. But, but whatever brought you here, here's what you have to understand. Everything that you know about God, Jesus, church, Christians, all of that, you have to filter it through the lens of God sending Jesus to be a good shepherd. And a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Maybe you've never heard it this way exactly before, but if someone is willing to lay their life down for you, then they are for you. Jesus is, was, and will be for you. You see, there's this dichotomy in our world today that that people think that, that Jesus is not for me, that Jesus is for religion, or Jesus is for the really good people, or Jesus is for the people who have it all together. No, no, no. Jesus is for you. 
and me. You see, Jesus draws this sharp contrast between himself and the thief. The thief comes to steal from your life, but I have come to give life to you. The thief comes to, the thief comes to kill stuff in your life, but I've come to birth something new in you. The thief comes to destroy, but I want to build up and protect. Because I've come that you may have life and not just any ordinary, average, run-of-the-mill, you, you see it every day, common life. I've come that you have life that is not ordinarily encountered. The problem with this passage is, of course, that Jesus compares us to sheep. <laughs> right? Like, if he's a shepherd, then those of us who are following him, what's that make us? We're sheep. And the common kind of misconception, but the common idea about sheep is this, or the common idea about sheep is that sheep are dumb. <laughs> so Jesus just called you dumb, but that's not what he did. Okay, sheep sheep are not the brightest animals in creation. Okay, but they're not dumb. You know what they are? They're defenseless. Sheep have no way of defending themselves. They're defenseless. They're not dumb. They're not stupid. They're unable to defend themselves against their own enemies, even the enemies inside. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt defenseless? Have you ever felt have you ever felt like you couldn't defend yourself from your own bad decisions? Have you ever felt like a sheep? I feel like a sheep sometimes because I make some stupid calls. I make some dumb decisions. And there are times in my life I don't feel like I can even defend myself from my own proclivity to do the wrong thing. Sometimes I feel defenseless. I wonder if you've ever felt defenseless against your own decisions. Like you've got a decision and you know the right thing and the wrong thing, but you can't help choosing the wrong thing. You're defenseless. You're just like a sheep. But here's the thing. You may be your own worst enemy, but you're not your only enemy. You may be the worst enemy that you really encounter that has the greatest potential to wreck your happiness, but you're not the only enemy. In in the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament personify sin and and, and evil and and, and the thief into this, this, you know, uh, person that we call in, in church circles like the devil, right? I'm not talking like pitchfork waving red jumpsuit with horns. Ah, you know, I'm not talking about that guy. Sin, evil, darkness personified in an individual. This, this character of evil, however you want to define it. We said in, in, in the first week of the series that Sin separates us. Sin separates us from ourselves. Have you ever, have you ever said the thing like, I, I just can't live with myself after I've done that? Well, what's going on? Well, sin has come into your life and it's separated you from yourself. That's why you said, I can't live with myself. Sin separates us from each other, right? However you want to define sin, you break the code, whatever the code is, however you want to define it. You break it in your relationship. There's distance there. Why? Because somebody sinned. Maybe you sinned. Maybe they sinned. Somebody sinned and the relationship separated. Sin ultimately will separate us from God because that's what sin does. Sin separates. So using Jesus's words, we could also say that sin comes to still kill and destroy. So you have an enemy that looks at you every morning in the mirror. 
You have this enemy on the outside of you that's, that's trying to separate you from life itself. I have that enemy. You have that enemy. We all have that enemy. And those enemies are all lining up to wreck your potential for happiness. To wreck your potential for joy. To wreck your potential to experience the life that Jesus said he came to give. Now, none of this is new, right? None of this is, none of this is earth shattering because you're not sitting there thinking, I don't know if this is quite right. You're sitting there thinking of instances in your life where you've acted like a sheep, <laughs> where you've made bad decisions. And you're thinking, dear God, I hope he doesn't call me up there to share some of the dumb things that I've done because I hope this isn't a testimony service, right? I don't want to do that. This is embarrassing. And so that's why I want to talk about these two things. Pleasure and happiness. Because I think a lot of the things that we... When I think our, our experience of doing the same dumb things over and over and over again comes because we are confused about the difference between pleasure and happiness. Did you know, and you may not believe me, but it's still true... Did you know that God is not anti-pleasure? God is not anti-pleasure. We we have this idea that there are these two extremes, right? Like pleasure and happiness. And you can't have both. But that's not true. Because God created pleasure. God created sex, right? It's like on on the last day of creation, he's about to like... Drop the, drop the light on day six and go take a nap because he's worked so hard. And he says, hold on, I'm going to, I got a little surprise. I'm going to enjoy this. And the angels are like, what are you doing, God? He's like, you ain't going to understand. God did that. Did you know Jesus' first miracle was to create more wine at a party? That's his first miracle. It's like the disciples and Jesus are sitting around like, all right, Jesus, we're going to get this ministry going right. What do you want to do first? Do you want to heal somebody? Nah, you want to deliver, you know, you know, I bet you could deliver somebody from like an evil spirit foaming at the mouth and you just be like, pow. No, 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 I got an idea. Jesus is like, I got, let's have more wine. Like, let's get some more wine at this party. Jesus did that. Okay, John, read the book of John. Jesus' first miracle is to create more wine at a party. See, it's not a question of, of either or. Pleasure and happiness is not a question of either or. It's a question of priority. If you seek out pleasure, you'll find that pleasure will lead you to a place where pleasure never pleasures you anymore. If you seek pleasure, you won't find either happiness or pleasure. But if you seek happiness, as Jesus talked about happiness in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Pastor Brian went through that week two of the series. If you weren't here, you need to go back and catch that uh, message at verticalchurch.tv, but But Jesus says over and over in these, what we call the Beatitudes, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Another way of saying this, here's what happiness looks like. Happiness is doing these things. Happiness is having purity in your heart. Happiness is seeking God. Happiness is this. Happiness is this. Happiness is the peacemaker. Happiness is the merciful. So when you seek, when, when, when you seek, when you prioritize pleasure over happiness, you don't get either one of them. Because because the one leads to the other. Prioritizing happiness in your life will lead you to experiencing pleasure. But when you prioritize pleasure in your life, it undermines your own happiness. And eventually, pleasure loses its pleasure and becomes a prison. We all all know this, right? If you you were in college, if you took psychology, it's called the law of diminishing returns. That's That's the law that pleasure operates on. 
the law of diminishing returns. Here's how it looks. What once used to take you half a glass to feel good, all of a sudden it started taking you a whole glass because pleasure didn't pleasure you as much as it used to. Then two glasses, then three glasses, then four glasses, and now you're yelling at people in your front yard and you don't even know what you did the night before. What's going on? (laughs) Pleasure was your priority. And you sought pleasure at the expense of your happiness. And pleasure loses its pleasure and becomes a prison. Any and every pleasure, good pleasure, bad pleasure, legal pleasure, illegal pleasure, if it becomes your master, if it becomes your priority, it will lose its pleasure and call and draw you in for more. And what was once just a pastime, what was once just 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 a, a way you spent your, your downtime became a habit. And then it became an addiction. And now you find yourself in a prison. And it doesn't have to be immoral or illegal to be a prison. And it doesn't even have to be sin. Just pleasure. Just pleasure. When prioritized over happiness, pleasure loses its pleasure. And you find yourself in a prison. Paul, the Apostle Paul, about 20 or 30 years after Jesus, is, is, is writing about this to, to, to the Roman Christians living in the city of Rome. He's, he's contextualizing Jesus' words for a non-Jewish audience. And he says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. He says, don't you know, which we're like, apparently not, because that's why you're writing this, because why else would you? Don't you know? Do I even have to say this? Shouldn't this be common sense? Well, Paul, common sense isn't really common, but you should know that. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? To which we would say, uh, I don't even know what you said, Paul. <laughs> what, are you, what are you even talking about? And he says it again. He says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, You are slaves of the one you obey. In other words, he says this. If you continue saying yes to a pleasure over and over again, don't you realize that you're becoming a slave to that thing? Don't you realize that? Don't you see that? To which we go, no, we don't. I'm not a slave. I'm choosing to do what I want with my life. And Paul says, that's exactly it. If you choose to do that over and over and over again, don't you see that you're no longer choosing anymore? You're being drawn into that thing. You're giving up control like a slave. And it's no longer because you want to, but it's because you have to. You ever feel like you've lost your control? You ever felt like you've lost the ability to say no to something or someone in your life? That's what Paul's talking about. He goes on. He says, he says, Don't you realize, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, every time sin calls, every time sin knocks on your door, you're like, open up, hey, hey, come on in, sin, let's have a party. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, sin always leads to death. That's what we talked about in separation. Sin kills your relationships, kills the relationship with yourself, with other people, with God, with your marriage, with your kids. That's what sin does. And he steps back and he brings us back to what Jesus said. He he, he says, which leads to death or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Don't, don't, Don't you know this? Righteousness is just a fancy word for right relationship with God, peace with God. 
who've been saying in this series. Paul is saying, don't you know that when you continually say yes over and over and over to, to anyone or to anything, you are becoming that thing's servant. Whoever and whatever it is, every day, Paul, this is what Paul is saying, every day, every one of us is offering ourselves to something. We're offering ourselves to someone or to something. We're, we're giving our service to someone or something. If it's pleasure, if it's sin, and not every pleasure is a sin, but some are, if it's good or bad, it doesn't even matter. If, if, if we're offering ourselves to pleasure, then the end result of that thing is a never-ending search for more pleasure. You just come up empty because you're a slave to that pleasure. Paul says, but, but you can also offer yourself in the same way to your Heavenly Father. And the end result of offering yourselves to your Heavenly Father is peace with God. And peace with God paves the way to have peace, peace with yourself and he equips you to make peace with others. And when you have peace, peace. You're happy. Because every happy person you know has peace. That's what Paul's saying. You know, the thing about sheep that's interesting, right? Sheep, like we said, sheep may not be may not be very smart, okay? They're, they may be dull. They may be defenseless, but they have something going for them. Sheep will follow their shepherd wherever he goes. Sheep will follow their shepherd wherever he goes. Listen, believing in Jesus doesn't really do much for you. Can I, can, I, can I be honest with you? Believing in Jesus doesn't make much of a difference in your life. Following Jesus will totally change everything in your life. Following Jesus will make your life better and it will make you better at life. Following Jesus will result in a life that's not ordinarily encountered. Following Jesus will make, you, make your life better. And it will make you better at life. Now I want to ask you a tough question. I want to I get up in your business and ask you something that you may be uncomfortable answering. It's a good thing that I'm not going to ask you to answer it out loud. And so I want you to just be honest, okay? Just, I don't want you to argue with me when I ask you this question. I don't want you to start thinking of all the reasons why you don't have to answer the question in your head. I just want you to, to admit to yourself, Okay? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front. None of that. I just want you to answer for yourself because I believe you owe it to yourself, to be honest. And you owe it to the people that love you and to the people that you love, to be honest. So here's the question. Let's look at it on the screen together. Is there a pleasure that's undermining your happiness? Is there a pleasure? It might be good. It might be bad. It might be legal, it might be illegal. It might be moral, it might be immoral. It might be amoral. Is there a pleasure that's undermining your happiness? Maybe it's a sin, maybe it's not a sin, I don't know. It doesn't matter if it's becoming your master. Becoming your priority if you can't say no. Is there a, 
Is there a pleasure that's beginning to undermine the happiness of people in your life? And so, so your, your daughter, she says, Mommy, why do you always... Daddy, why do you go... And, and your answer is like, hey, pipe down. I, you, you understand when you're an adult. Really? Is there a pleasure? Is there a pleasure in your life that the good shepherd is trying to lead you away from, but you feel like you can't say no? You feel trapped. You feel like you've lost your freedom to say no. And not only do you open the door when, 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 when that thing comes knocking, but you stare out the window waiting for it to see maybe it's going to pass by and I can invite it in. Is there a pleasure that the good shepherd wants to lead you away from? Perhaps it's time to trade that pleasure for the good shepherd who will not drain your life like that pleasure will. It doesn't mean that you don't ever get to experience it again. It's your priority. It's your priority. When you prioritize pleasure, you get not pleasure nor happiness. But when you prioritize happiness, by the way Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 5, you discover a life that is full of pleasure and happiness. Maybe it's time. Time to trade in that pleasure for the good shepherd who wants to give you a life that's not ordinarily encountered. Now I know I just said the thing about maybe you get maybe you don't have to give it up totally, but some of you do. If you're like me, listen, I just want to be completely gut level honest with you about my own idiosyncrasies as a human being, okay? Not not perfect. I'm I'm horribly flawed in all sorts of ways. But for you, if you're like me, it might take drastic measures in your life. You might have to go to the extreme. Because if you're like me, I'm not very good at dialing back. I'm not very good at cutting back on something. I have to cut it off. There have been times in my life where it wasn't dialing back a friendship. That friendship had to go. It had to go. Because they were not leading me to the good shepherd. They were helping me prioritize pleasure not very good at dialing back. Maybe that's like you. If that's you, maybe you need to cut something off. Maybe you need to cut something out of your life. This pleasure that you're seeking that has so has you trapped in that prison, maybe it's time to cut it out. Not dial it back. Dial it off. Not dial it down to one. Turn it off to zero. Pull the plug out of the wall and throw the thing in the trash. Jesus says, follow me. I'm the good shepherd. I want to lead you to a place where you're no longer being the thief in your life. I want you to walk away from all the other thieves in your life because I'm the only one who can give life and life to the full. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, as we sit here today, God, recognizing that in so many different ways you're speaking to each and every one of us. It's easy to stand here, God, and talk and, and, and talk about these things, God, and then just walk out and do nothing. Because we recognize, Lord, that it is a daily struggle to continue saying yes to the Good Shepherd. 
Would you give us this morning, God, the wisdom to know what to do with what we already know and the, and, and the wisdom to know what to do with what we've just heard? And on top of that, God, the courage to go do it. For some of us in the room, Lord, we need to surrender to the Good Shepherd. Maybe for the first time, maybe again, maybe we've walked away, maybe we quit following Him. Maybe we prioritize pleasure to such an extent that we walked away from the Good Shepherd. Today, it's time for us to surrender our lives to Him. To say yes, even before we know what we're being asked to do, to give up. If that's you, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer this morning. Because the only prayer you need to pray right now is you just need to, in in your heart, if this makes any sense to you, in your heart, in your spirit, look at the good shepherd and just say yes. Yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will follow you. As you follow him, he's going to ask you to leave some stuff behind. He's going to ask you to cut some stuff out. He's going to ask you to drop some things you've been holding on to. He's going to ask you to stop answering the door when it knocks. But today it all starts with yes. I'll follow you, good shepherd. You are for me. I, I surrender to you. If you need to trade in a pleasure, tell the good shepherd, yes, I'll trade in that pleasure follow you closer. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives, in our church, in our heart this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.